Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. The Hard Knocks cameras are rolling, and we are ready. The question is, are the Cardinals ready? The team didn't make any moves ahead of the trade deadline. They did, though, tweak the roster this week. Also, we wonder aloud if DeAndre Hopkins is being targeted too much. But first, a wellness check on Danny. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 610, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a 5. He's in again. Some more Murray Magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So there is a 24-hour rule in the NFL. Win or lose on Sunday, you turn the page 24 hours later. Now, Danny, does that same 24-hour rule exist when it comes to Halloween costume contests? What do you mean? I wore my costume on Halloween, Craig. What are you trying to say? But you didn't win. So okay, dis- so did you participate? <laughs> I'm asking, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Thanks for asking, Craig. I actually got a gift card for participating, so joke's on you. Wow, okay. That's what you get. So you can take me to lunch? I can and I won't. Why not? Because you're making fun of me. No, I'm asking if you are okay. You dressed up. Yeah, I didn't costume. put in that much effort. It was very, oh. very minimal. Oh. So I'm okay. Those are your words. I mean, yeah. Okay. Thank Just you for checking. Sure. All right. I'm you good. want to tell everyone what you dressed up as? I was a farmer. Wore a big cardinal straw hat. I wore overalls that I'd cut into shorts many years ago and a bandana around my neck and tennis shoes. And everyone should know, you showed up during both press conferences in said costume. Yeah, I didn't change. I did take my hat off because I was sitting in the front row when Rhonda Moore and Isaiah Simmons were talking and I asked questions. So I felt like mm, maybe take the hat off as the only person dressed in costume. And then I had to pop in like 60 seconds after Cliff Kingsbury started and having to walk in late and with a massive hat on drawing attention, I took my hat off for that just to kind of hide in the back a little. Well, you pro- yeah, props to you. You participated. And, and again, I did not. Chose not to. Thank Deliberately you. chose not to. Yes. But you got to be aware because now there are more eyeballs on everyone in this building. I'm really hoping Hard Knocks didn't catch me Why walking not? in my costume. No. Well, because especially without the hat on, I just look like I wear braided pigtails and a bandana and overalls every Monday to work. If they did catch me. <laughs> it's just a natural thing. So next week, because this is, again, this is a weekly thing. Beginning this week, it first one debuts a week from Wednesday, November 9th. So every week now, do you feel like you're obligated to be in costume? No. Okay. I'm just not going to be in costume. And I don't really care what I wear in terms of if Hard Knox is going to catch it, but I, I don't plan on wearing overalls again. It doesn't really fit the normal Monday dress code around the office. No, especially after a loss like that to the Minnesota Vikings. There was not a great vibe as far as that to participate. But again, props to you for participating. Thank and, you. And, and I'll give you a thumbs up here on Cardinals. Well, then Cover it was two. worth it. If I got a thumbs up from Craig. I'll do it again next year. Uh, by the way, another thumbs up because you informed me earlier, and I promise Bird Game will get into the news of the day, but I thought this was pretty cool what you were able to do on Tuesday with oh, no. Zavin Collins. No, oh, this gosh. Is I was like, what did I do? Why did I have like, a reputation all of a sudden when we, we, we were conversing here that I, you think I'm going like, to rip you or a rag I don't on you? know. I've learned okay. that everything I say gets saved to be used in the opens on pregame radio, so I don't, I don't know what I'm saying now. <laughs> 
That's a, that's a new one for you right there. Those last those last few words right there. So you spent some quality time, and I think this was important because seeing these players away from the facility, off the field, you get a different perspective on what they do, and it's not sometimes football 100% of the time. It can't be football 100% of the time. But Zayvon Collins and yourself involved in a community events, and I thought it was impressive by what you told me, and I think you need to share it with everyone else. I um, think about what exact what details I shared with you to make sure I don't forget any of them. I, I did. I hosted a Q&A with Zavin um, earlier in the week, and it was like 30 minutes Q&A about football, life, all kinds of things. And he was just really great, really detailed. He made sure to, when answering questions about football, explain it in a way that was easily digestible for any level of football fan. Um, he spent 20 minutes answering audience questions from again an array of topics football life growing up being close with his mom all kinds of things and then at the end they had a raffle so everyone who had earned a spot in this company to be in this event got a raffle ticket and there were two pictures signed by Zavin it was Larry Fitzgerald pictures and then mini helmet and football signed by Zavin and they auctioned off the Fitz pictures first and Zavin when he was picking the raffle tickets had a funny comment. He was like, you know, normally when I go to these events and it's audience questions, it's always, what is Kyler Murray like? What is D-Hop like? Like all those big players. He's like, I appreciate that you guys ask questions about me. So then we get through the five items and he looks at me and he's like, can we do one more? And I'm kind of thinking, I, I, I didn't put this on. I don't have anything for you to raffle off, but okay. So then he takes off the jersey he'd been wearing and signs it and just adds it to the raffle and then spent an extra 15 minutes when the event was over taking pictures and it is very cool to see these players more as people and what they do. And that's what I think is great about Hard Knocks is, yes, the people they're going to follow outside of the facility and do things, but even just how they interact with each other in meeting rooms and around the facility and in the locker room and eating lunch together, I think that is a really cool part of seeing, oh, that's who they are as people. Like I, I can pretty much gather who they are as a football player, but that's who they are as people. Um, I don't think Zavin is very excited for these cameras on all the time. I don't think many of these players are. Um, but the linebackers room will probably be one of the more tame if I had to to guess looking at the personalities. The part where Zavin literally took the shirt off his back, signed the jersey, and used that as a raffle piece. I thought that was that's what stood out to me about Zayvon Collins because I've been impressed everyone there was a large spotlight on him going into this season considering everything that was thrust upon him even before he stepped foot in this building as far as being that starting inside linebacker didn't materialize his rookie season so everyone wanted to know were you going to be able to make that jump from year one to year two and I think he has certainly done that and just speaking with him even in Thing, when, when things aren't going well, he's very detailed, very descriptive, and puts everything on his shoulders, what he needs to do better, what he did wrong, what he can get better at. I'm impressed by him. Again, we'll see where it develops the rest of this season and years down the road, but I like what I've seen. That's, that's what you want with these young players, and there have been a lot more young players, especially on that defensive side. If you can see that development year to year, even better week to week, and I think Zayvon Collins is one of those examples. And Isaiah Simmons is another one of those examples, specifically in that inside linebackers room, which grew by one earlier this week. T 
team did not make any trades. Nothing. No well, one. No technically one came. they did, just not this close to the trade True. deadline. You're right. On trade deadline day. Right. There were 11 trades, and I looked it up. 11 total trades, 14 total players, and 20 draft picks just on wow. the NFL trade deadline day. But nothing involving the Cardinals. I'm okay with it. I certainly understand the fan, ba- fan base looking for something to be done. I mean, you're three and five, but I just don't think there was that missing piece, that singular player, whether on offense or defense, that would have really tilted this team one way or the other or turn the tide whatever analogy you want to use from three and five and all of a sudden you're going to win the next six seven games in a row I don't I don't think this team is one piece away or a player that's worth whatever it is you have to give up whatever that compensation is because that's always what are you going to give up and then what does that player still have left on his contract are you are you an impending free agent to now all of a sudden are you just renting this player or are you investing in this player so it's easy to play the fantasy football game around the trade deadline but it is much more difficult even despite what we saw across the league within the division I think and I'll go back to what I believe it was Isaiah Simmons earlier this week said he liked he likes the pieces that they have on this team they have enough talent on offense and defense to be much better than what we've seen through eight games. I agree. I think offensively specifically, this is a good amount of players that were here last year. It's not like this is a completely new offense. Sure, you've got a few new pieces. You've got Darrell Williams in the backfield instead of Chase Edmonds. You've got Hollywood Brown, who's injured now. But, you know, your offensive line has a little bit of changes, more so from injury. But for the most part, this is pretty consistent for an offense. Um, which we saw success in last year. So that's what's a bit confusing, but I guess if you're looking for some sort of hope to grab onto, it's that this team has been successful. This team has done a good job at putting points on the board. I know that every season is a new season, but when you're looking at personnel, at least offensively, they have the pieces to be successful. Defensively, I would agree with Isaiah Simmons. I'm not sure I would have agreed with him if he had said that before the season started just because of the turnover and the young depth that this defense is relying on but they've been finding a way to to do their job and get it done and limit those points on the board for their opponents cardinals will take on the seattle seahawks on sunday second time in four weeks they will play the seahawks so i don't know how much has changed the one big change is the fact that deandre hopkins missed that first meeting and that might be the difference between scoring three points against the Seahawks remember that was the only points the offense registered there was the touchdown that Chris Banjo the fumble recovery after a block punt actually was a fumbled punt but that offense accounted for only three points against the Seahawks now you bring in hop back into this offense and I think he's played very very well but it's is it too much of DeAndre Hopkins through these first two games. I'm a little conflicted, to be honest, because, one, he's so good, so successful that, yeah, keep feeding him, yet at the same time, can you rely on one singular player to move the football and get the ball into the end zone? Obviously, yes, because we've seen this offense without number 10 on the football field. If you're asking if you can rely that heavily on one player normally, I'd say no. However, DeAndre Hopkins is not a normal player. So I will say yes. And we've seen that. In you know, last season, Hop did not record a single game where he surpassed 100 receiving yards. And the two that he's played this year, he has surpassed that. He had that really impressive one-handed grab in the end zone for that touchdown in Minnesota. Hopkins, well, he joked about missing the six games, might prolong his career on the back end for that extra rest. 
he is not like any other normal receiver. And I don't need to go into detail. For those who are listening, you understand that with his very impressive athleticism and ability to make those contested catches and all of that stuff. So I don't have a problem if they're going to keep targeting him 14, 15, 70 time, 17 times a game because I think he can handle that. I think he would say he could handle that. And for an offense where the receivers had not had really any chemistry with quarterback Kyler Murray this season, except for Hollywood Brown, who is now injured, if it's got to be Hop who's connecting with Murray, I say keep throwing it his way. I, what, what are teams going to do? They're going to double-team Hop, and that's going to allow the rest of the offense to open up, hopefully seeing more of Robbie Anderson, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, open up the run game a little more. Or what, you're going to leave Hop one-on-one? Okay, he's going to win nine and a half out of ten times in that scenario. So while I – and we have talked about how we agree that it's it's not comforting – Long-term, it's not comforting when you think injury-wise of you are clearly significantly more successful with one player and one player alone on that offense in DeAndre Hopkins. However, if that's what it's going to take for them to win and that's clearly the difference maker for this offense, I say keep throwing it his way. It's not sustainable for a long period of time, but in the moment, in this exact moment here where there is so much on the line with this season, with these three division games, I agree. Yes, just keep throwing the ball in the direction of DeAndre Hopkins and let defenses tell you not to throw his way even though sometimes, oftentimes, he is still very much open when he is covered, whether on -on one-on-ones or double teams. But you look, the last two weeks, 13 and 14 targets, 27 total. The next most targeted players, Eno Benjamin, 12. Rondell Moore, 10. Zach Ertz, 9. The discrepancy in number of targets over the last two weeks is concerning when you look at big picture within this offense, but in the moment when you're doing whatever is necessary just to get a win, this team badly just needs to get into the win column, maybe all three of these games, or at least two of the three games, to where, you know what, I'm looking at number 10's direction, and if it's just a screen to the left like we've seen in years past, then that's what it takes until the defense shows us, shows the Cardinals that, you know what, we're not allowing you to do that anymore. Find another way. Yeah, and that's the thing. You're at the point where you just need to scrap and fight to get a win any way that you can. Three and five, you're two games back from the Seahawks in first place in the NFC West in the way that the NFC as a whole, you know, hasn't been great when you look at the records. However, if things continue to trend the way that they are, the NFC East is surprisingly doing very well. So, like, if playoffs were to happen now, I'm pretty sure three teams in the NFC East would make the playoffs of those two extra wildcard spots going to the Cowboys and the Giants because the Eagles the top of that division. So right now, my point being, it appears like for the Cardinals to have a chance to make the playoffs, you're going to have to win the division. So being two games back from your opponent this week, the first of three straight divisional games, if you don't walk away with minimum two wins, very scary times are ahead of us, Craig. It's going to be a daunting task. You'd have to have so much happen outside of your control, and that's what we're hearing from players, from the head coach to Kyler Murray on Wednesday. Everything that this team wants is literally in front of them. They control their own destiny because of these three division games right in a row. You don't want to get to the point where you're in week 11, week 12, and you're looking at the standings, and you're looking at the rest of the schedule and going, okay, we need that team to lose. We need this team to lose, that team to win. I mean, one, players aren't doing that. 
there might be an assistant coach perhaps doing that, but that's just no way to go into that week's worth of work getting ready for your game on Sunday, having to worry about some other game across the country. Yeah, and I know that it's a 1-0 mentality every week, but Kyler Murray even said it in his presser on Wednesday that there has to be a greater sense of urgency with this little stretch of these three games. This is, in my opinion, this is the most important stretch of the season at this point because this is very pivotal. The Cardinals are 0-2 in divisional games. So not only is your record important overall to try and win the division, but if you're tied with a divisional opponent, that next tiebreaker is divisional wins. And right now the Cardinals don't have any, which makes these next three games all that more important. Seahawks, Rams, and 49ers. That is the order for the Cardinals coming up and again Sunday with the Seahawks in town. 2.05 is the kickoff. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Now, no practice on Wednesday. Second time this season, not counting the short week that this team has held a closed walkthrough on Wednesday. First time was three weeks ago, ahead of the first meeting against the Seahawks. Now, there's perception versus reality when you hear or see that the team is not practicing on Wednesday. The perception is, why aren't you practicing? You've accomplished nothing. You should be on the field practicing. The reality is this team might not just be healthy enough to go through a full speed practice. Same time, I've seen enough on the football field on Sunday that this team needs to go full speed more during the week and not just wait until Sunday. And if you have only a handful of players who can practice, then those handful of players better be practicing full speed because there have been too many mistakes on both sides of the ball when you're going full speed that you can't practice for during the week in a walkthrough. I just think this team is so banged up and just trying to preserve the players that they have. I do have a question for, and I'm genuinely curious. I'm, I know that this is something that you feel passionate about are these walkthroughs and veteran days throughout the week. If they're still out there and it's more of a mental practice going through these plays and getting those mental reps, if you're not doing it every week and they're, it's only the second time they're doing it, is that really so horrible? Like, it, Not that it doesn't make a difference, but for you, I mean, I know you're very passionate about that. Like, Why, why are these mental rep walkthroughs sporadically so bad for this team you think I understand you know you want to see more from their play but don't you think they're still getting something out of it oh there's definitely getting something out of it it's just at a slower pace they need to pick up the space the the sense of urgency well if you're doing a walkthrough where's the sense of urgency that that's I guess that would be my question what what are you getting out of a walkthrough that you can't or are not getting or perhaps is better suited than a full speed I'm not talking about pads That, that that that's just not that's not smart but a full speed practice because you're going full speed on Sunday. And the issues that this team is having is when they're going full speed. You can walk through and be fine. And then you get to the game and then all of a sudden things ramp up. There's crowd noise in the moment. The lights are bright. And then all of a sudden you're slipping. Is it because of a walkthrough on Wednesday and then just two days of practice? I don't, I don't, I don't know because the only practice time that we get to see is 20 minutes, if that, on Thursday and Friday. And that is something we've heard of, things we're doing in practice, we're just not doing in a game. So I get that. I was just curious from your standpoint of why, why you felt as strongly as you do. That it's, was all. It's because, one, you're three and five. And again, that's the perception around outside. Why aren't you working to correct that as opposed to a walkthrough? I mean, if you're five and three, six and two, 
do whatever you want because it's working. Now, all of a sudden, you're three and five. It's not working. Do something different and not the difference of, well, we're not practicing. It's just a closed walkthrough. There has, there, has to be, there has to be more work getting done. And if we hear from the players, oh, it starts in practice, well, and I guess maybe it's semantics, practice, walkthrough, you're still getting your work done. But it's when this team starts going, when the, when the cameras are rolling, if you will. Let's maintain that theme here with hard knocks. It matters on Sunday. Are they treating Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday as if it was a Sunday? That's fair, and if they're gonna, the offense is gonna be doing more huddles, and Kyler Murray's got that wristband with the plays, which is not usual for him or Cliff Kingsbury. You're right. Maybe that's something that you need to have that actual practice and get those little nuances settled. The play clock once again becomes a topic of conversation on Wednesday. This team is huddling more to try to slow things down to get everyone up to speed, whether that's on the offensive line or the new pieces like a Robbie Anderson. Interesting to hear Bradley Price in the locker room on Wednesday saying, we are an up-tempo offense. We like moving up. We like the up-tempo speed and getting the line of scrimmage quickly because it catches the defense off guard. You slow down, then all of a sudden the defense has a chance, one, to either substitute or catch its breath, and then are you really at an advantage as an offense? So it's a double-edged sword here. I get under, I understand why the huddling, because you don't want to rush, yet at the same time is this offense better when they are rushing because the defense is on its heels. That's a good point. I will say, to go back a little bit, because we just got the email of the injury report list, and I think this, is, this answers your question as why they did a walkthrough on Wednesday. It's a rather long list. It is. Let's see. Let's, 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 just, let's just go right through it. Because there is no one. Uh, the other thing is, there's no one on this list that was out because of rest. Buda Baker, Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson, DJ Humphreys, Jonathan Ledbetter, Christian Matthew, and Darrell Williams all did not participate in Wednesday's walkthrough. Now Hudson has already been ruled out. That's that's not a surprise. DJ Humphreys though is a, a little concerning to me because even though Cliff mentioned that he is day to day, he didn't sound very optimistic and wasn't very sure of himself when he answered whether he would be available this week. I'm not counting on both Hudson or Humphreys being available this week. Yeah, he also said he liked the way that Josh Jones played at left tackle. Look, as the offensive line as a whole, they got they just got walked all over in Minnesota. That the the pocket was collapsing very quickly on Kyler Murray. There were no holes for Eno Benjamin to run through. Um, it just wasn't a good game on the offensive line, and they're dealing with a good amount of adversity. Not only at left tackle, your left guard Justin Pugh's out for the season tearing his ACL. Your backup Max Garcia has been out with a shoulder injury, so it was Cody Ford. It was only his second game because he dealt with an ankle injury to start the season. And with Rodney Hudson out with that knee, it's been Billy Price in at center, who's only been here for a couple of weeks. That was his second game starting because they had been using Sean Harlow the first couple games that Hudson missed. So the offensive line was definitely working through some adjustments, and it wasn't a great performance overall. Um, so if that's your, your starting five, along with Will Hernandez at right guard and Kelvin Beecham at right tackle, Hopefully in week two, any of those self-inflicting wounds or things they didn't like on film can be corrected this week against Seattle. Some good news with respects to the injury report. James Conner limited during the walkthrough the estimation on what would be a practice report. And that that might be someone that this team really could insert back into the lineup. And nothing against Nino Benjamin or Akanti Ingram, but James Conner, although 
going back to the offensive line, how much can any running back do behind a banged-off offensive line that is not opening up rushing lanes? And the other player we haven't talked about is Matt Prater, the kicker who's missed with a right hip and then took half half the duties recently, and, and that was something that was um, they waived Rodrigo Blankenship, the kicker they had signed, which looks like a good sign for Matt Prater to be full now moving forward. So you do lose Blankenship, so you just have one kicker on the roster, and with that roster spot, the team did make a move, though not via a trade, but they did sign a veteran inside linebacker, Kamu Grayjay, who's started all six games this season prior to asking for his release from the Houston Texans. It was granted. Here's someone who is very productive a year ago, had a career year last season with 106 tackles, three sacks, three passes defense, and two forced fumbles. Someone, according to Cliff, that can play maybe a little outside and be valuable on special teams. So you load up that inside linebacker room, and I think it's probably more a productive piece behind both Zave and Isaiah and maybe a little bit of an upgrade over Tanner Vallejo and Ben Neiman. So that will silence any fans who are complaining there wasn't a big trade made. There was still movement to some degree by the Cardinals. A tweak. I'd call it a tweak. A tweak is better than nothing, That's right? That's true. It is. And keep in mind, there is still no Nick Vigil. He remains on IR with that hamstring injury, and whether or not he's close to returning, who knows? He's missed four weeks now on IR. So I like, again, going back to Zayvon Collins. He and Isaiah Simmons certainly have stepped up their play, yet outside of Zayvon, Isaiah doesn't. he's not on the field hundred percent of the time you need someone else in there and maybe this is a little bit of an upgrade especially when it comes to production as far as tackling and maybe making some bigger plays in the opponent's backfield yeah I will say at least Zavin when he's been on the field he's been having those impact plays he has done a good job when he's been out on the field yes in years past he's not playing as many snaps he's playing more than how the beginning of the season was starting to look um defensive coordinator Vance Joseph saying that's because Simmons has been earning that play back and has been professional and has been earning it in practice and in game. So it, I will say at least Simmons has been professional and making an impact when he is out on the field. Gave the best quote of the week so far on Monday, quote, I hate losing more than I like winning, end quote. Now, I've heard that before by different players and by different people, but it does show you the mentality of an Isaiah Simmons. He has the right mindset to be on the football field and no one again no one was happy you were in Minnesota just outside the locker room reading Darren Urban's game story on azcardinals.com there was just there was not a lot of not a lot of happy voices coming out of that locker room before the media was allowed in yeah that that's pretty much been the case after the losses I will say it's it's not the best job going into the locker room and talking to players after a loss um but Someone has to do it, and that someone is me, Craig. <laughs> Props to you once again here on Cardinals <laughs> Cover 2. Up. Presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And it's incumbent upon those leaders in that locker room as well to set this tone for this week and the rest of the week. And I know you had a chance to slow down J.J. Watt for this week's sideline exchange. Yeah, talked about that as, as a leader. He's played a lot of football, and at being 3-5, and five, still a chance to turn things around, especially with these next three games. And that's what's important. He talked about having that confidence and believing themselves and, and basically trusting the process. Um, in that sideline exchange interview, we talked about Seattle's run game. When the, the first matchup a couple weeks ago, you had cornerback Geno Smith ran for 48 yards, rookie running back Kenneth Walker 97 in a touchdown. Now the secondary completely shut down Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who had a combined four catches for 51 yards. 
but Seattle's run running offense really wore down the Cardinals defense. We talked about the improvements and closing the gaps and staying disciplined in that aspect. And then of course there were some fun fatherhood questions for the new dad. Uh, yeah, he had, he, he had a lot of fun talking about his new son, Koa, who thankfully uh, very graciously was born <laughs> on the Sunday of the mini buy. So JJ did not have to miss a game, which I'm sure everyone in the locker room and the coaching staff was good very planning happy about. on his part. Good planning on Zach Ertz's part as well when his son was born. So there was no conflicts as far as a game day. Already team players. Exactly. Those little ones. Yes, they are. And if they can be half as good as their fathers when they are older, then I think uh, they will be very well. Uh, or mothers. That's true. Yes. yes, that's right. You forget. Yes. Not, yes. Don't mean to forget. Yes. The most talented players within their respective families yes. might be the moms. Honestly, it, it might be. And I don't think that Zach Ertz or J.J. Watt would be upset with us saying that. No, I don't think so. Plus, you don't want to get on the bad side of either of those guys. <laughs> uh, by the way, do we want to let everyone know what's ahead for them here on Cardinals Cover 2 beginning next week? Eh, why not? Sure. Okay. Hard Knocks in season, which we talked a lot about. It's Everyone is here with respects to the Hard Knocks family, if you will, and number of cameras. But the Hard Knocks in season debuts one week from Wednesday, November 9th, and there'll be instant reaction here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You can watch the show as we will, and then right into your little inbox, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you get Cardinals covered two and the rest of the Arizona Cardinals shows instant reaction to what we see and think because I'll say this Danny I, I am privy to no knowledge or any footage when it comes to hard knocks in season ahead same, of time same but you know what I'm very thankful that people care what we think and those people are the listeners right now so thank you very much we're going to continue that and let you know what we think of hard knocks and Maybe we see some things, you know, from our perspective that we saw on camera and it was, hey, from this angle at practice, I saw this or, you know, something along those lines, what we hear from players in the locker room. So we're still going to talk about the upcoming matchup, but a lot of it will be instant hard knocks reaction, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. We'll keep track of how many times we show up on camera correct we, we should do a couple of fun things. We should we should track how many times we show up on camera. I do. In between now and that first podcast, I do think you and I should do a couple things to look back on when Hard Knocks finishes, whether that's, okay, who's going to get the most airtime outside the facility? Maybe who's going to get the most airtime in the position rooms? Like who's going to stand out? And I don't know, we'll have to think of a few things. If any listeners have something they want us to keep track of, let us know on our respective Twitter accounts. Uh, but I do think that would be fun to kind of make predictions and then look back at the end of the season and see how close we were to maybe understanding the personalities on this team. Show number one, which is chronicling the week leading up to and, well, the entire season really, but really focusing on the Seattle matchup coming up this week. Who do you think comes off as the featured player, or maybe it's a coach, in the first episode? Who Who is star number one in episode number one? Hmm... See, it's easy to say like a DJ Humphreys, but if he's not no, playing, I don't think, then it's... No, I don't think that. I think if, if since it's the first one, I think the easy answer might be D-Hop because he wasn't there that first matchup and he's been the go-to guy. Um, but also, like, on defense, it's hard because I think maybe a J.J. Watt, a big veteran, 
presence to kind of kick things off and going up against Kenneth Walker and Geno Smith, who have been great this season. But then I'm like, in the back of my head, what about a Byron Murphy who's done a fantastic job at shutting down the top receivers week after week after week, and he did so against Seattle. So I'm going to go with J.J. Watt, but I'm thinking about Byron Murphy in the back of my head. I like your explanation for DeAndre Hopkins because not only is it an easy one, but it just makes so much sense. No one has really seen him those first six games, just two games since, and then Byron Murphy with the connection to the Seattle Pacific Northwest, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson. So perhaps maybe it's more of a defensive player, and I'm going to go with Buda Baker to counter your J.J. Watt. Oh, I'm like 51% J.J. Watt, 49 Byron, but I'm going to stick with my gut, and I'm going to say J.J. Watt. All right, we'll have to kind of see where we stand. Again, Hard Knocks in-season debuts Wednesday, November 9th. Instant reaction here on Cardinals Cover 2. That's each week with the exception of December 7th, which is the Wednesday after the Cardinals bye. There'll still be a Cardinals Cover 2. We just won't have instant reaction from no show that's been there. Hey, no days off for us, Craig. (laughs) We will be here. No days off. I like that. I haven't heard that before anywhere. So I taught you the term, it's Gucci, meaning it's good. And I've also taught you the term, no days off. Tongue in cheek on the last one. Because not even you can claim no days off. Whoa! Okay, fine. See? (laughs) Fair. Fair enough. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.